Father in heaven, we're grateful, of course, uh, for your word. Uh, We pray that it would have its perfect work in us. That you would grant grace. That we would know the kindness of God through it. Uh, That we would be strengthened, um, God, to walk with you in the days in which we live. And so I pray this now. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to Ruth in the Old Testament. Ruth in chapter 3, please. Ruth chapter 3. I want to read these 18 uh, verses. So we catch this in the midst of this narrative. I'll catch us up in a minute, but I want you to see this as it is. This is the word of God. Verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, that is to Ruth, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man, excuse me, until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, And his heart was merry. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. She then, then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it's true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning... If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must, know, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And she replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And then we say, the grass withers, 
and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Well, previously on Ruth and Naomi, we found, end of chapter 2, that they were living together in Bethlehem, Judah. Now that's, of course, not where they started out. If you've been with us a couple of weeks, you've read this uh, little piece in the Old Testament, you know that's not where they started out, that Naomi actually started out in, in Bethlehem, but Ruth started out in, in, in Moab, neighboring country. And you might remember that when it started that Naomi was married to Elimelech and had two sons, there was a famine in Bethlehem, and so they went, whether advised or ill-advised, uh, from Bethlehem into Moab, a godless place, and uh, because there was food there, and when they arrived there, things seemed well, but after a while, Elimelech died. And then her sons, who had taken Moabite wives, died, so that Naomi was left without anything, especially in that culture, most vulnerable, nameless. So she heard that there was food back in Bethlehem, so she decided to go back to return. She had two daughters-in-law, Oprah and, uh, and, and Ruth, and they began to return with her. She pleaded with them not to return because she said, I have nothing for you, meaning there, there's no husbands for you coming from me, and you're foreign women, so there's no husbands there for you, and so uh, go back to where your families are. There'll be husbands there for you. You can start a new life. All will be well. Just let me go. Uh, I left as one who was full, and now I'm empty. I left as one whose name meant pleasant, but now I had these bitter circumstances, so you don't want to tag along with me. Uh, there's, there's nothing good about my life. So stay back. And you might remember Orpah went back. Ruth, however, uh, couldn't. I mean, literally couldn't. On the one hand, we know that she was committed to Naomi. She loved her. But there was more than that. She was actually committed to Naomi's God, under whose wings she would seek refuge. This sense is, I want to be in covenant with your God. I I, I want him to be my God as he is yours, and your people to be my people as they're yours. And so this covenant formula, where God says, I'll be your God and you'll be my people, she said, it's true now of me, so I can't go back. I have to go where God is, and so I'm going to go along with, with you. And the question we asked last Sunday, and I just want to revisit because I've been visiting it all week, uh, and I trust will continue to, but, but that is the question we asked last week was, what would await them in Bethlehem? Two widows with nothing. One a foreigner, one who had abandoned her homeland, Bethlehem, Judah, and now she's back. What would await them? You might think that they might be ostracized. No one would really want to interact with them. A foreign woman, this woman who had left and now returned, and clearly poverty would await them. I mean, they they had nothing, nothing to go back to, no property, no name. Here they were. And yet we realized that what they were met with was kindness. The kindness of God, on the one hand, because through his law there was an opportunity for them to glean and get 
get food. Uh, on the other hand, the kindness of God through this man, Boaz, who was made in the image of God and loved God. And so he expressed the very kindness of God to them as he took Ruth and let her glean and kept her safe and provided for her and Naomi and all of that. And it just so happens we found out that Boaz was a relative and that was very significant in the days in which they lived because he could help them in a, in a couple of very significant ways, both with their property and with their name. And so we're, we're seeing all of this uh, come, uh, come before us. And, 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 and we realize then, you see, that what awaits people as they return to God, and we would say it because this is the truth of it, as they return to God through Jesus, repentance and faith in him, what awaits us is kindness. Because Jesus is the very loving kindness of God, is the expression of the mercy of God. In the Old Testament, we realize this kindness of God. It was uh, the, the, the covenantal uh, way in which the Old Testament saints approached God anytime in need. They would say, I'm coming to you on the basis of your loving kindness. I'm coming to you on the basis of your mercy. And there's a sense in which when the Lord would hear that, if you could enter into this way of thinking, when the Lord would hear that, he would say, oh yes, this is one of mine. I recognize that plea. And so when David sinned, he would come to the Lord on the basis of his mercy, that is on the basis of his loving kindness. And he would ask for forgiveness. He had no right to it. But on the basis of this covenant, this loving kindness, God said, when you, when you sin, come to me and I'll forgive you. And so that's how God treated his people. Kindness. When they were in trouble, the Old Testament saints would appeal to God on the basis of, of kindness. And they'd think, I mean, I've sinned or I'm in trouble. Who should I go to? And, and, and they would think, I should go to God. And you'd say, well, go, why go to him? That's God. I mean, what, is he going to do something bad to you? And they say, no, 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 because he's promised to treat me with steadfast love. That is, with love that won't stop loving. And we go, that boggles my mind. And you go, I know. I know it does. That's the amazing thing about it. Don't be afraid to go to him. Bring it all and receive his kindness, his forgiveness, his help, his grace, his presence, you see. Come to me. In fact, the the wonderful shepherd saw him until... Pursue us, seek us, always, with goodness and mercy, all the days of our lives. Literally, it's goodness and kindness, goodness and loving kindness, goodness and steadfast love. He says he's going to seek, that's what he does with his people, because it's a steadfast love. It's the kind of jealous love of a lover that says, I won't let you go. Wherever you're going, I'm after you, you see. And I desire for you to receive my, my kindness. That's the, very, that's the very sense of it. So David, as I mentioned last Sunday, would sing, Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. Thus will I bless you. I'll lift up my hands in your name. As a a side that means nothing, I sing that every Sunday. 
at about, well, now I get up later thanks to this service, but a few hours before you get here. Uh, Because it is better than life. Without it, we're lost. You see, Jesus is the loving kindness of God. So what do we expect? What awaits us when we come to God through him? What awaits us is, is, is... forgiveness. (laughs) Forgiveness. <laughs> what awaits us is a declaration that we're righteous in his sight. What awaits us is that he adopts us into his family. What awaits us is he gives us his spirit to live and work in us, to enable us, to help us overcome the, the, the sin that's in us so that we can walk with him. And he gives us to be able to love. And he says, I'm going to take away death and I'm going to give you life. And you can be assured of it for all of eternal, uh, all of eternity. And, I, and I'm going to give you this inheritance that, that, that can't, fade or spoil or anything and it's kept there for you and a day will come and you'll see it all you go oh wow that boggles the mind i don't deserve that you're right but he gives it that's what we that's what awaits us when we come to him so often we're afraid you know to come to him i've sinned i've neglected him He said, no, 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 come to me, all you are burdened, and I'll give you rest. Right? So he says, don't be afraid to come to me in that that sense. And even us as as a church, when people are coming, how do we receive them? Well, we should receive them as Boaz received Ruth with kindness, the very kindness of God. Boaz made in the image of God. He knew that and he would reflect God. So are we. So as people come into our midst, what are they to, 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 to think as they leave? They're to think about the kindness of God. Wow, those people don't even know me. And yet they've received me. They've been kind to me. And they've offered the very kindness of God. That's how we're to be, to be as a church, you see. Well, uh, things seem like they're going really well for Ruth and Naomi at this point. I mean, they came back. <clears throat> we didn't, at least as we're reading along in the story, didn't know what to expect. And here's what we find. They received kindness of God, Boaz, uh, for them. <clears throat> and now he has given to them plenty of grain uh, sent by Ruth to Naomi from her gleaning and otherwise. And now they they sit. And, and, and then... Seemingly out of nowhere, Naomi has this plan for Ruth. Now, the events are clear, but I have to admit that, uh, I mean, I know how the story ends and all that, but just if I enter into the moment, I think, what are you guys thinking? I mean, here's, here's the instructions that she gives to Ruth concerning going to see Boaz. I mean, now we know Boaz is a worthy man and all that. And of all the, you know, guys around, he's the guy. And, uh, and so we think we can, we can trust him. But it's in the days of the judges when you couldn't trust anybody. And, 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 and so she says to, to her daughter-in-law, to Ruth, she says, Now, when it's dark, that should always really cause a problem. I mean, we're thinking... Naomi, you're supposed to be telling your daughter-in-law nothing good happens after 11, right? I mean, that should be the advice you give her now. But you're saying, no, when it's dark, don't let anybody see you. Get all gussied up. Uh, 
that was my mother's term. Uh, get all dressed up, you know, put on some perfume and all that. You've been cleaning. So put on some perfume, you know. And, and, and then I want you to go to where Boaz is. He's on the threshing floor. It's that time of harvest and you've got the grain and you're, you're trying to get the grain from it. And, and so he's hard at work. Um, and, and then wait until after he's eaten and been drinking and then gets tired and lays down to go to sleep and then you, nobody can see you, sneak up. He's going to have a blanket on. Take the bottom of it where his legs are. Lay down and cover yourself up. And we go, Naomi, what are you saying? I mean, really? And then she says, no, he's going to wake up. Do whatever he asks. I mean, really? And Ruth goes, all right. Right? I mean, you know, I mean, I'm thinking Naomi's going to say, hey, wait till tomorrow afternoon, you know, and he's kind of, you know, the night's worn off and he's awake and he's working and get on and say, hey, listen, you're one of our relatives. You can really help us out. Okay. I mean, that's what I'm thinking you got to do. But so you have to tell a plan afoot and you go, it must make sense to somebody, but <clears throat> it's difficult to see. Exactly how. So she does all of that, and, and lo and behold, he's startled. Well, not every day, right? You're an old guy, and you lay down to go to sleep. You've had a good meal. You're happy. And, and so it's dark, and you say, who are you, right? I mean, she said, I'm Ruth, your servant. She didn't mean slave. She meant, I'm, you know, remember I'm the gleaner. I'm the, I'm the one. I, I'm here to serve. And she says, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Now, that sense of spreading your wings means marry me. You're a redeemer. That, that's what should have Cut his attention if he's a godly man, if he's a righteous man. This is why I've come to you. And, and, and then he says something very interesting. He says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You've made this last kindness greater than first and that you've not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. Boaz is in saying, I'm really flattered. You know, because <laughs> I'm old and you could have you could have had, you know, younger men. That's not that's not his his point here. Because he said, um, uh, you've made the last kindness greater than the first. See, the, the first kindness that he noticed was that <clears throat> she had left everything in Moab and come into Bethlehem to follow God, yes, but also to bless her mother-in-law. And that's what impressed him. You might remember in chapter 2 when she was gleaning. He said, this is, I, I don't know anybody else who would do this kind of thing, to leave your father and your mother and your homeland and come and bless Naomi this way. And he gets it. 
He understands that as a relative, what she's saying isn't I'm physically attracted to you or that you should be physically attracted to me. Perhaps they were, perhaps they weren't. The the narrator doesn't even want us to go there, doesn't want to think about anything like that at all. What, What she's saying and he's saying is that he's saying this is so impressive. You're willing to marry an old guy like me for the sake of Naomi. You're willing not only to leave your father and mother and to bless her, but now you're willing, in a sense, to give your life, to to give up everything and to marry me so that her property can be reinstated and her name can be reinstated in Israel. He said, that's even a greater blessing than the first one. And so you get the sense, oh yeah, he, he he understands this. And he says, and everybody knows that you're a worthy woman, so I understand you're not here for any sort of illicit kind of thing. He says, uh, and, and, and we're thinking, this is awesome. Never expected this. <laughs> this is great. Now it's over. So he's going to marry her and everything will be great. And then he said, uh, it's true, I'm a redeemer. But there's a redeemer closer than, than I. And we go, rats. I wanted Boaz. I, mean, I really like the guy. And, and who's this other guy? We don't know anything about the other guy. But, but now we're kind of in limbo again. What's, what's really happening here? And, uh, and, and so, but he says, remain tonight. So she'll be safe. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he'll redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. So we take a deep breath and we go, I still wanted to be Boaz, but at least Ruth and Naomi looks like somebody's going to, Redeem them. So she did uh, lay at his feet. And then he said, you can't go back empty-handed. So here's a bunch of grain. A lot of it. So, so take it back. She gets back and, and she sees Naomi. Naomi says, what happened? And there's a sense she says, I got good news, I got bad news. Right? Give the bad news first. There's another redeemer we got to work with here. And uh, Boaz says he'll take care of it. So there you go. But the good news is here's some grain. Uh, He didn't want me to come back empty handed. And then Ruth says, "Uh, wait. Wait. Until you learn how the matter turns out for the man will not rest. But we'll settle the matter today. Yeah, we'll leave that story. But I can't help think um, about what it was like at the moment for them. I mean, even though they, they had a real sense of assurance that Boaz was going to take care of it, and even though even now we're trusting him uh, too, still, it, it isn't done. Uh, they don't have everything. It, 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 nothing's been signed, sealed, and delivered at this point. And, and so you wonder what's really going on in their minds and in their, in their, in their thoughts. Would they have any real tangible confidence. And the answer is they do. It's the grain. Boaz was saying, trust me. I got this. I know what you need. So 
take this grain. Don't go back empty handed. Don't go just back with my word. That should be sufficient. But, but go back with this grain. It's something tangible, something you can feel, something you can work with, something you can cook up, something when you're eating it, you go, yes, of course, it's good. Boaz will see this thing through. It's, it's the grain. It's a token. It's a, it's a way, he says, I'll make good on my promise of redemption. And then forgive me, but I, I can't help think of our redemption. Jesus is our redeemer. We understand this idea of redemption, of being a redeemer, somebody who comes and pays a price in order to get something back or get someone back or to free someone from being in bondage or slavery. There's a price paid for the blessing of another, for their freedom, for restoration, for deliverance, you see. We understand Jesus is our Redeemer, the one who's come and paid that price. You remember what he said, I've come not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Uh, We see it as the New Testament unfolds for us. Paul as he writes to uh, this church planter, Titus, uh, puts it like this in chapter uh, 2, in verse 14, speaking of Jesus, he said, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his, for his own uh, possession. And then as John, in the Revelation, sees it all right before him, um, these elders are singing this new song and they're saying, worthy are you of Jesus to take the scroll and to open his, its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and, and, and people and nation. And we get that. We understand why the redemption. We understand as we confess this morning uh, our debt. We understand that we, because God has made us and because he's good because he loves us that we are to love him we're to obey him and obeying him means that we're to love him and to love others and we understand we've left that undone in our lives we look we realize it the debt of obedience and also we've sinned against him we know the justice Demands recompense. And we know we owe that debt too. And neither can we pay. And so the scripture tells us then we're enslaved and we're bound to sin. Because we're bound to sin, then we are bound to sin. We're bound to it, so we're going to, and we do, and we see, and we're trapped. We say, how can we get out of this? Jesus redeems, pays the price, gives us his righteousness. He obeyed for us that we may be free. He redeems us. He gives us a name. We belong to him. And he gives us a place in the household of God. One day, 
on land, a new heavens and a new earth will be here for us in which we'll live forever. And so that's the land promised, if you will. And so all of that he gives to us. We have been redeemed, as we say, by the blood of the lamb. And we can think about this redemption as something past and something present and something even future. Uh, the responsive reading uh, this morning, as you might suspect, wasn't random. Um, but uh, it, it lays that out for us, this pastness, this presentness, and even this futureness of our redemption. Blessed be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. Which has blessed us in the beloved. You see, all of that, in one sense, past, in the heart, in the mind, in the plan of God. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. These people I'm going to save. Until then, he sends Jesus to save us, to save that people for himself. And so, verse 7, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption. He's going to pay the price through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his, of his grace. And so we know that we have been, if you will, we've been redeemed. And we're grateful for that work. And we know that coming to faith is the evidence of our redemption and the giving of the blessing of our redemption. And so we know we've been redeemed because we believe. And so here we are. And what does that mean? It means in the present, we enjoy forgiveness of sins. In the present, we enjoy being adopted into the very family of God. We know that God is our Father. We can ask Him and pray to Him and He will receive us as the perfect Father, as the loving Father receives His children. We know that. He'll never turn us away. We belong to him. And we enjoy the security of being in the presence of his household, being children of of God, if you will. Because that's who we are. And so, then he gives us his spirit to work in us. Even in chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 13, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him. And we're sealed with the promise Holy Spirit. And so we have his spirit within us. And Paul writes in Romans, the witnesses to our spirit that we really are children of God. How does he do that? Well, when we read the scripture, we go, yes, that's true of me. I belong to God. The spirit confirms all of that in us. As we worship, the spirit confirms, this is true for you. It's really true. So we live in that. Assurance, if you will, of sins forgiven. We belong to God. His spirit lives within us, enabling us to deal with the sin that resides so that we can now obey him. And in our obedience, know the great joy of obedience as opposed to the misery of disobedience in which we once found ourselves. You see, all that's, all that's true in the, in the here and now. But we know it's not complete We read the news feeds. This isn't the new heavens and the new earth. 
There's still hatred and bigotry and prejudice and poverty. There's still hatred. We see all that. We see in our own lives. It's not done with us either. We often are contributors to all that we read in the news. In terms of the disobedience of people. We know it's just not them, it's us. So we know it's not finished yet. We know there's, there's really more to come. We still die. We still cry. So there's something else still. And even Paul says that in this chapter that we read responsibly a little while ago. He says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He was the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Some older translations of our redemption. Until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his, of his glory. Yep. Apostle tells us that there is a day of <clears throat> redemption to come. Romans in chapter 8, verse 23. He says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, grown inwardly as we await for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now the hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees, but... If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Naomi's waiting. She goes, ah, it's, it's, it, I, it, it's as good as here. We have it more tangibly even, for we have the Spirit of God within us and His work in us. And yet we wait. How do we know it's really going to come? <laughs> Well, the Lord gives us assurance. He gives us a spirit of work within us. We see his work in us. We see us growing up in maturity. And that maturity isn't just how much we know, but, but it's, 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 it's we see that we love. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate. This truth leads to, to, to godliness. I remember when I was in seminary, it was told to me over and over and over to me and to all the other students. The A students are not necessarily the most mature. What did he mean by that, my professors? They meant just because you know all this stuff and can pass all these tests and your theology is really good, that's really good, by the way. (laughs) It doesn't mean that you're automatically mature. This has got to work in you in such a way that causes you to reflect Jesus. That's maturity. But we see it, don't we? We see it in our lives. And, and so that's an assurance to us that the Lord really is at, at work within us. And, and he gives us the scripture to remind us. And, and the spirit continues to affirm that. And says, you know, this is true. This is true. It really is true. And we go, yes, yes, yes. That's how we get together one day in seven. Because if we don't, we, we really have difficulty. So we, so we gather together one day in seven just to remind ourselves of that. To go, oh, yes, it really is true. And to hear it all together and to see each other. We're still together. And, 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 and he gives us each other and as I mentioned earlier this morning he gives us grain uh, water and I said don't, 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 don't miss it every time there's a baptism don't miss it something's happening I'm communicating something to you this is my way of doing it 
I want, I want you to see it. I want you to be assured by it. It's, it's just like having six measures of grain. Oh yeah, I smell it. I see it. And he gives us this. So I want you to remember me. So on the night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed, after giving thanks, he <clears throat> took the bread, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, and again, after giving thanks, this too he gave to his disciples. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you eat of this bread, the apostle says, and drink of this cup, you declare the Lord's death until he comes. What are we declaring? Redemption. Redemption. It really happened. It's really true. So you, you realize that while this bread and this juice will always be bread and juice, There's somebody else here. And it's the Lord Jesus. Just come to me. Now, he's not only just here, right? He'll be out there when you leave, and he'll be at your house, and he'll be all kinds of places everywhere you go, because he's with us, we know, by his spirit. But he says this, just like that, this is a tangible way. I want you to be helped. I want you to be assured. And so when we come to this communion table, as you know, we talk about this all the time. When you come to this communion table, it's a tangible. You smell it. Taste it. Feel it. I don't know how it works. But it does. Because it's from him. And he says... Come here, this way. Think of me. I'll be there. I'll help you. For Naomi, it was grain. <laughs> and so many other ways. For us, it's this. And so many other ways. But this. Do you wonder? Come to this table. Stop wondering. Stop wondering. Let's pray. Father, pray for us that you would be gracious to us. That you would grant us assurance in so many ways of our redemption. That it's your work, you planned it, you carried it out. That it's your work, you worked it in us so that we could receive it and believe it. And now as we believe, we see, oh yes, I really am justified, I really am adopted. You're really at work in me. And also, there really is an inheritance that is to come. And in the midst of the difficulties of life, 
when everything isn't as it will be, I can wait. So, Jesus, I pray that you would meet us here at this table. And then however you deem to work by your spirit in each one of us and all of us, that you would work on this morning to assure us that all that you promised is true. And we can receive it now and we can wait in confidence, not wavering in our hope. So please take this bread, take this juice, set it apart in such a way that we know that we're in your presence And please meet us here, just as you've promised. In Jesus' name.